0: Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we
1: go. That's how restaurateurs have to start to think, how do I affect change in the world? And how does my business do that to be a sustainable business model?
0: Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. The only way we're going to get through this is to get through it together. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to joshcopal.com forward slash chat. Also be sure to check out the full comp restart guide packed with valuable resources and strategies from Yelp, Cornell University, and Oyster Sunday. Go to joshcopal.com forward slash resources for your free download. Didn't write that down? Don't worry, there are links to both in the show notes. No one could have seen this coming, right? The utter decimation of our industry. Granted, there were signs we were on shaky ground, but I, for one, was too busy to see them. Michael Tinsanger, on the other hand, was not. I reached out to Michael after poring over the content on his website. See, the issues we're tackling today, he was tackling more than a year ago. Michael is a hospitality futurist. He can clearly see where we're headed and what we need to do to make sure we get there safely. Today, he and I dive deep into our past present in the opportunities that lay before us in the future. So I'm doing research for the podcast and I go to your blog and dated November 19th, 2019 is an article entitled Digital Hospitality. Before yeah. that, when restaurants become a tech business. Before that, three phases to digital transformation. Um, yeah. you were talking about prior to the pandemic, everything that is happening today and will happen in the future. Um, If I was to describe you to someone else, I would say you're a hospitality futurist, that you're talking today about the stuff that's happening tomorrow, uh, and that future is happening now. Can you walk me through your vision for the future of the industry? How do you see things playing out? How did you see it playing out fourth quarter of 2019, and where do you see it today? Is that the
1: same vision? wow that's a that's some big questions in there joss but you you will guide me if i i got loose tracks because it's a big question and uh but there's no doubt you already said we have a an industry that's in its knee it's upside down the house have been turned on its head literally and uh, across the globe not only in the uk where i am or europe you've seen you know you know very famous brands uh Closing down. And in the UK, you've seen Jamie Oliver is one of the, the biggest names that has gone out of business pre pandemic. I would say it was pre pandemic. But all this has just accelerated. Companies like Pret, as you also have in the US, Pret a Monterey, probably more on, on the East Coast, have also now half the, the size of the business and they're making people redundant. So, you know, players that was there, if you take the branded restaurant, very successful are now suddenly in the middle of. Yeah, either you know dying out or changing their business models so rapidly and we were talk I've, I've been talking about that for a couple of years because we didn't have this, this the, the pandemic didn't bring this this was already there was already these ill signs there was already I, I we have used a really brutal word always signs of cancer in the way we did things in the industry it was it's an ill industry in many ways and we talked about it before uh, the amount of hours we worked in industry like you know what is, what is a hero about working 100 hours a week and then burn out, in a way, if you just take it on a human level? Why are you running businesses with so small margin they can never actually be successful? Why are you saying yes to a lease you can't afford? And there's so many things that are so emotional-driven and passion-driven, which is very important in any business, but you, you can't go too far. It still has to be a business model of work, because if you don't make money, you can't change the world. You can't do good. You can't do good for people, community, and the planet. And I think any business that is in business today have to fulfill these three things. Take care of people, make better communities, and save the planet, because that's our biggest task right now in society. And and I think over the years, we, we went a bit far down to profitability trumps everything, but prof- profitability trumps everything, but it's the way you get to profitability. And I think there's a paradigm shift going now from a, a very industrial model of running restaurants to a more bottom-up, a more in- engaged model where there's like a couple of things that plays in. And the first thing that plays in is the way you think business. And in Simon Sinek says it very well, you have the finite game and you have the infinite game. And it's not the finite game that's going to work here because we played that for so long in the industry. It's the infinite game. And to win the infinitive game, I see some some restaurants or other businesses outside the, the restaurant sector getting this real right. I know the travel industry is struggling immensely right now, but I will be surprised. You have a company in the US that's called Southwest Airlines. I'll be surprised if they don't come out of it reasonable, okay, or people will turn back to them because they do something very special. And this this is not something they invented in the pandemic. They did that already before. And, and these types of companies, if you look at them, it's like four things they, they strive to do. They set extremely high standards within this, and uh, and they have the intent to set a strong purpose and a culture uh, that's very special. It doesn't mean that everybody wants to join that culture, but the people that want to join the culture fits really well, and they're very good at picking people for that. And on another level, they're very good at running an experience, but they also understand this not enough just to be a great experience. They also understand that you need to have multi-revenue streams. So that means digital streams, that means, you know, retail products, it could be workshops, it could be many other things in, in restaurants. Uh, And then of course they understand they use tech to do the heavy lifting. So people don't have to work a hundred hours a week, or the managers can spend the time on what they should spend the time on, leading their people and uh, serving their customers. So, that does many companies say we are focusing on that but are you really living in are you really setting the extreme high standards within that and that's what i have in in my terminology called you know the mavericks they are recession proof they are pandemic proof they don't have and you will see these companies thrive and survive uh over the next uh, 12 to 18 months and it's probably difficult to put names on all of them it's probably a, Hard to say, but you probably already know some of these businesses. You maybe know your local business, even independent restaurant, that have these things and are very good at them. We have one here in Brighton. It's a single sushi restaurant called Mushimo. They understand all those four circles, you would say, or areas, and they love and breed them every day. They are having a better time now than pre-pandemic. And the same, there's a guy on your podcast called Sean, uh, the barbecue guy uh, from uh, San Diego. Just and I think it's a bit the same going on there. He understands this and he plays it out really well and set extremely high standards. Um so so these are the type of business I think to survive. And I think you will you will have an industry that will look very different within the next 12 to 18 months. I almost can't even I think I think you will see some 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 of the, the bigger players will be there. There will be a McDonald's, there will be a KFC because they already optimize so much, they are probably more prepared for this than, than anyone else. And then you will see a breed of new operators come in because it's going to be allowed to operate out for a wall. And you will see also uh, an industry where landlords are much more involved in the industry, are much more interested in in these uh, operators succeeding. Um, And and then I think you will see that it will be a smaller industry. There'll be less restaurants as well. And that's probably the better for everyone, both from a Quality point of view and experience point of view for the customer but also it's going to be also a better experience as an employee and they're going to be more profitable. And that, and that's a bit my hope. And that's what I hope to see comes out of this terrible, terrible situation because uh, pandemic is not something you want. You don't want people to die. Uh, you don't want this extreme disruption, but if you have to take the positive out, it's like the opportunity to turn restaurant business model upside down and really make it work for everyone, everyone at the table, the, the, the suppliers, the employees, the uh, stakeholders, the shareholders, the communities, the planet. Make sure you build models that take care of the wholeness of things. That's also something called circular economy or donut economy. Think about creating business model that really makes more impact than just profit uh, in in your business, because they're not going to survive, and the customer is not going to buy into them a lot. Them. So I don't know if that answered your question, Jos.
0: It did, um, but, but it begs a new question. And the new question yep. is, um, I'm sold, right? Sounds great. I'm ready to move into the future. I want to get a new business model. Um, mm. But I'm not a business person. Like I own a business, right? But like I just got into this to cook food and serve people. Yeah. And now I have to develop this entire multi-level strategy with multiple revenue streams. So like even if I'm bought in, how, like, what's next, right? I, the, the podcast ends, it's time for me to go to work. Like, What do I do when I show up? Like, how do you, how do you fulfill this vision that you've created?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting um, that uh, we have an industry that's driven a lot, I think I mentioned just before as well, but a lot about passion. And, 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 and you know, and it, it is, a, in, in the end of the day, it's a business, and it needs to make money. So it, it's a bit of, it's a bit like the analogy I normally use is that you have an airplane and you have this guy, he's had five hours of flying listening. Would you like him to fly that airplane you're going into now? You probably <laughs> won't do that. And why would you take the keys for a restaurant if you, first of all, you know, you have to have passion for food and people and customers. I agree with that that's very important to have that love for that. But if you don't understand how to run a business, why would you take such a such a fast moving business and a business where you have to innovate so much and the, the stakes are so high and go and drive that business that's also very irresponsible it's like irresponsible to take go up and take a plane with 200 people you only been training for for 5 hours because you worked in the front of house doesn't mean you're a great operator you need to train that you need to work on that it's a bit like michael jordan didn't become the the world's best basketball player just by showing up and say well i want to play basketball he set extremely high standards for all areas of his game all the time. And it comes again to when you run a restaurant, you need to have extremely high standards for you, for your leadership, your culture, your, your business acumen. And then also, uh, uh, when I say business acumen, I there's, there's also the sales skills and within that, but also an area where I have seen through time, and I've been surprised time on time, the ability to understand financial management, because these are the three areas to build a successful business. So I understand that you know you just want to go and cook, but why would you go and cook and create a, maybe a nightmare of your life and other people's life because you didn't train in the business skills? It's not, I'm not saying it's not possible to go back to do that, but you need to take the learning hat and it's continuous learning. It doesn't stop by going on one course or take one online workshop, it's continuous learning, it's becoming a student of your business. The best people I have worked with through time and including including uh, operators, independent operators and, 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 and corporate uh, leaders is they understand there's never a break. It's continuous improvement and continue setting higher standards. Um, and I think that's the key thing. And I think we have talked about it before, Josh, where you mentioned you're part of a group of entrepreneurs and most of the other people from other industries, they are part of some kind of master program, but restaurateurs or restaurant people, we are not part of any master program or any development program. We just get on with it. We just do it from the gut. And that's the danger. It's the gut that is dangerous. You can run a business on gut. There is algorithm for successful businesses and you need to go and mirror those businesses. I mentioned Southwest Airlines. They're not just good at culture, they're extremely good at logistics they're extremely good at sales on top of it they're extremely good at marketing they're extremely good at customer experience they're extremely good at finance because they are so narrow to the bone when it comes to the penny so again i think i think that's the answer that you need you want you need to go on that journey and you need to, probably when you have the time now when you're not operating your restaurant or not working in the restaurant you should be studying on all the resources there's free resources on the internet and there uh, is, is a lot of books to read about business. Just start studying in a way so you can become a better business person because there's a business in the end of the day. What are some of your favorite books? Oh, favorite books. Uh, Good to Great is probably my absolute favorite books. Uh, then we, I know we have a shared passion around Gino Wickman. I mm-hmm. think he would help a lot of smaller operators if you start mm-hmm. reading his books, Uh Traction and thereafter rocket fuel, I would say, uh, because traction is to understand how to run and operate a business. And the rocket fuel is about finding out, do I actually have the two top people I need in my team to run a successful business? A visionary, which often there's a lot of in hospitality, a lot of visionary and passionate people. But you need the integrator that can move the big parts of your business and actually make it a business. They build businesses and teams from the inside out. Um, so those, those three books, and there's a lot of others as well, but those three books, think, I think they are mandatory to, to build a, a business, for any business leader in the world we live in today. And all their, their thinking has not gone out of date. It's so relevant right now because it takes you to a focus. Um,
0: well, and when you say standards, which you've said repeatedly, you're not just talking about values, you're talking about metrics as well. Um, you have a data-driven focus, right? And so, what, what are the key performance indicators uh, that you track when you go into a business, and how do you define success? That's a really good
1: question. So, 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 I always say is face the facts in principle and put uh, put the pink elephant in the room. You can call it as well uh, because you, you're not dealing with the, the the real core issues. The the why, the 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 why 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 things are not working because often you're. What we often do in restaurants because we're busy, we just deal with the, the the superficial issue. We don't go to the bottom of it and really understand where it comes from, and that's from from looking at your numbers. So, one of the one numbers I uh, tend to look on, and it's going to be boring. A lot of people say that it's cash flow, but it's daily cash flow. How do you monitor your daily cash flow? And especially in these times, it can not be more relevant than ever that you know what's going in and out but actually also you predict your cash flow and there's a lot of great technology to help you with that today together with accounting systems and that's getting more and more automated as well so if like sitting and filling up out spreadsheet is not something you dream about doing this can be automated as well so, so the cash is king and profit is vanity because you can look like you made profit but you have no cash in the bank where are you then because you can't move forward without cash that's the fuel then then if I went into a business and had to put it, I also would look at, you know, I will try to understand what really make this business tick, because there's every restaurant there's different things that can tick. It could be something in the customer experience. You need to understand that customer and employee journey. Um, but one one certain certain number that always springs to mind is the 90-day turnover on employee tells a lot about where the business is on many areas, from, from the way they recruit to the way they train and, and so on. And uh, often when that is high, it, it, it actually starts with finding out what, what is actually going on. How, how are the nearest relationship with the, 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 the local leadership and its people? Um, and, and then I would also, uh, I will try to understand my, if you take go on the other end away from the employees and, and that, which is key or building culture i will go out and try to understand what is exactly that make the customer tick why are they uh, understand what why are they buying us they're buying what products are they buying I, I have i have worked with people who have the same menu for i don't know how long time for years and half of it they don't sell because they never looked at the numbers they thought right. they were selling oh i think i sell 10 of those a week and you think well you 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 are prepping for that every week and you're throwing it out it's a double whammy in a way. So again, look at your sales number, understand that. And then there's the last discipline when it comes to, to data is knowing your stock. Know what you have in stock because you paid cash for that. That's assets in a way. And they because it's food, it's perishable, so it will not survive. So I think again in, in again try to really be master of your inventory and follow that. And that's not all this is not new this is like standard stuff you should do in in any business but we don't do it and that's the problem and that's why many of us have not been profitable i'm as guilty as i've done it myself um and i'm trying to practiceize and in the business i'm involved in we try to set a standard for that but that standard has to be improved every day because every time we find a penny in the corner we have a we have a success in a way and success is not about just hitting the budget or hitting the sales, but it's exactly feeling that you are progressing as a team and you have like this dashboard for progress and a dashboard for how you are winning the game in principle. Because it doesn't have to be sales. Sales is just a, 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 a result. And you need to find out what actually leads to this better sales. Is it something you do when you train people? When you make sure they trained in these standards, you improve your sales. Is it when you make sure that the uh, customers get this email, you can see there's a change in, in sales. What are the things that are actually leading up? What is, is the behaviors that's leading up? And that's what you need to break it down when you go lower, deeper down into understanding what really drives the business, which is its behaviors. And then you actually start to creating your dashboard for that. But you need to start having the good practices around you know, cash flow, Your 90 days turnover, your understanding, your sales metrics and what's going on, what you're selling and not selling and when to close and when to open your shop for that sake, opening hours. And then, of course, the inventory. And then you can start understanding what what mechanisms do I need to put in place to grow my sales? So if we train on selling up on this specific things and we do it in this specific way and we follow up X amount of time, we know there's a 10% change in sale on that table. And that's that, how detailed you need. And that's all successful business, no matter which industry they're from. They are that detailed and they set those standards. And you can, as I mentioned, Michael Jordan before, we can take a guy like Tony Robbins. He, he sets extreme high standard for himself and the people around him. And that's why he's so successful as well. Because He's tracking he those
0: standards though, right? Like that's, that's tracking the point.
1: Them. It's, it's yeah. not just about setting them, it's about tracking them as well and 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 he always tried to challenge it. it it's never good enough. you're never done as he says you can never never eat, reach the top it's It's an ongoing ongoing swing wheel you need to push slowly and slowly and so on and then you get momentum suddenly so yeah so but yeah that's that's how i see see that uh, data has to be used and there's so much data today of, and I understand that can be overwhelming, but you need to get in there and try to, to understand and get on your business instead of being in it. And the only way you get on it is understand the numbers and how they work together as an algorithm. Well, but you also need tools and resources. Uh, you know, to, to
0: share a personal story, when Prue and Proper went from like 1.2, 1.25 million uh, to 2.1 million, uh, over the course of about, I don't know, 16 to 18 months, Uh, We weren't bottom lining a lot of money, but there was obviously more money top line. And I couldn't Mm. figure out why we weren't netting out, right? Because every single, like, you know, every projection I made, oh, we'll make money at this point, we'll make money at this point, we'll make money at this point. And so I hired a consultant and the guy came in, he did a 30 day audit. He had like his chef consultant staying in the middle of my kitchen every night, watching my guys work early in the morning till late at night. And after a month of research, he came back and he was like, you need to make more money. Like your break-even rate on this thing is just much higher. And so after paying this dude thousands of dollars and being inconvenienced by getting him all of this paperwork and, and having his people in the middle of my people dealing with that disruption, he came back and he told me that I needed to make more money. I mean, if there was ever a, no shit moment. That was uh that was it. But there's a lot of that in consulting. And there's there are tens of thousands, I would assume, of restaurateurs out there that want to run a better business. They lack the tools and resources, and they're not widely available. There are a lot of snake oil salesmen out there.
1: I agree. And it also, therefore, is important that. You don't put your fate in a consultant's hand because you need to find out, are you standing in front of an expert or not an expert? And a, a restaurant, you know, given a good example, I have been asked uh, recently to get involved in a project around a pizza concept. How much do I know about pizza besides I've eaten a lot of it? <laughs> Nothing. I'm not, I'm not been trained in pizza. I've been trained in McDonald's. I've been trained in cafes and coffee. So, it will be unethical of me to do that. But you need to find out when you're working with that consultant. I think there, there is actually a blog we wrote once, how to f- actually figure out if you have the right consultant to help you. Because there is, of course, the consultants out there that can help you if you're really on deep ground and you need somebody to have done it before. But the, the key is they've done it before. And my question have always been, you know, you know, first of all, have you actually worked in this type of business or business model, machine or... Pizza, Mexican, QSR, whatever, it's fine dining. I was the same with fine dining. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't advise. And how do you know more about fine dining? I do. I, I can't tell you that. This, oh, well, every business is every business. But I think in hospitality, if you have a consultant, you need to find somebody. And they had to be successful in that business as well. There has to be some proof. And you just ask for that. Yes. What, can you give me some references or example of how you were successful with that? And also an expert's doesn't come telling you what you were told by you need to make more money because you knew that before he arrived he comes and says okay what i've observed is uh, there's some gaps here in your business this is what we analyze these are the three things we need to do together i will help you implement it if i can implement them and we will not make that change you don't have to pay me because well you're not an expert are you then you're just somebody that can create some nice slides and papers." And I think, I think also those days are gone where there's going to be a lot of money for consultancy. And I think, I think also as operators, I think you really want to go and get those skills yourself and try to understand how to analyze your business yourself. Because I think you, you can be, you know, there's a lot of oil and oil and snakes people and car sales out there uh, trying to help you, you know, build your business. I'm not saying all of them are bad, but I'm just saying, be careful. I think, I think the key thing is that you know, go and learn something about what it is that you need to be on top of in your business. What are the, the 16 or 18 systems you need to, to, uh, to master to have a successful restaurant business? And uh, to give an example of a resource, uh, I think that's reasonable, strong, and very good for independent is the uh, restaurant owner, restaurantowner.com. It's definitely a good starting point when you're starting out to get some more information. As you grow in that, that will probably be obsolete and you need to go and do something else. Uh, and also get a mentor maybe instead of a consultant. Um, so actually done it before and actually willing to help you for a fair fee and maybe some equity in the business because there has to be some skin in the game as well. When you go and do things with fathers as well. So sometimes that helps as well. So I don't know if that answered your question again because it's a difficult question uh, again around consultants, but yeah.
0: It is. Well, it's also, you know, when when you look to the future of consultancy, you know, the business itself is so siloed. It's so stratified, right? Like just because someone, you know, is able to help you track food costs doesn't mean that they know anything about digital marketing, right? Like, Like who on the planet knows everything about everything? So not to say that, that, You know, there isn't a place for consultants out there, but certainly, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to find one guy that can do everything,
1: right? Yeah, and I think, again, that's why you need to clarify yourself where your problems are instead of, you know, it's a bit like, you know, your car breaks down and you go to the mechanic. You just accept whatever he tells you and you pay the bill in a way. And everybody that has tried that, learn something to next time. I think I'm probably gonna investigate a bit before I go to the the the, the mechanic next time because that bill was a bit big, I think. But I, I have to trust that don't I? And actually what you have to do is actually ask questions. And you have to ask the big questions and then find out who can help you to answer those questions. So why as you said, why didn't I net anymore? What what are what are the three possible issues that can be in my business since we don't do that in a way. Uh, and then start investigating a bit yourself. I think I think that's very important because there's no one that knows the business. If you have to be really honest, there's no one that knows the business better than the owner of a business, if you take it, or the CEO of a business. Shouldn't they should they should know more about that business than anyone else in my world.
0: Uh, you brought up mentorship, which I think is incredibly valuable in an underutilized strategy in our industry. Yeah. Um who is your mentor and who do you look up to in the industry?
1: Well, It's, it's very interesting. Um, as you know, you go through things, um, I have had different mentors. But right now, I have a guy called Chris Huge. He's 75 years old and he has a, a background from outside the industry. And that's been chosen very carefully because it was important to me that, first of all, he, uh, I'm Danish. I went to the British Islands. I needed a real Brit. You know, a real typical Brit that understood the, the how you work the culture. Um, so that was one of the important things. And I needed somebody that had experience from both uh, big companies, also built companies from the bottom up. So entrepreneurial world, but also had some of that understanding for corporate. And he's worked for Mars was one of his jobs, and he's built uh, Prince uh, rackets in in the UK from the bottom up, and one of the biggest success stories within that business. Um, And then he's run uh, a network group for more than 20 years with CEOs of different companies. Uh, And that's the Vistas network. And I think it's it's quite, I think it's also in the US. Um, And he has an immense amount of experience, Uh, but he's also more than 35 years ahead of me. He's tried so much just in life. He's been through so many recessions. And just having him and being able to reach out to him every three weeks and meet with him or Zoom as it is right now, um, it just gives you such a pillar that you actually that you feel that you have clarity every three weeks because it's bloody hard to have clarity when you're in the middle of the the war zone in your own business. I run my food business in London and London is, it's dead. You know, there's no people in London. Nobody's coming back to the office. So the stress of that and having a person that can help you clarifying your strategies and your tactics, and also be a bit, uh, you know, a tap on the shoulder and saying you're doing well. Uh, because when you get it from a person with that amount of experience and intelligence, you, 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 you feel a bit better about yourself in a way. So there's a lot of psychology in this. It's not like he has all the answers. He just sometimes challenges you, me. So again, so so that that's how I look for mine. And it was very important for me at, at this point where I am, it was somebody from outside the industry when I choose him two years ago. And then at some point I will find a new one because I'm in a, in a new place. I need something else at that point. I need to learn something else. Uh, but it has to be somebody that has done something I haven't done that's further than I am and have that experience in real life. And that I think that's the key thing for me, when I choose a mentor.
0: Let's have a mentorship moment. At the conclusion of every episode, uh, I'd like to give the guests an opportunity to talk directly to the audience. Do you have
1: any advice or words of encouragement you would like to share with the audience? I think that um, even as hot at this time we're in right now as an industry, we need to see this as the biggest opportunity ever. We're probably never going to have it again. This is an opportunity in a, in a lifetime uh, people will change business will change the world will change politics will change as an industry we have the opportunity right now to change to an industry where everything works for everyone so people don't have to work insane hours everybody can have a decent salary uh, we we can keep high standards within our food we don't have to manipulate food as well we can go away away from factory farming we can uh, set a better standards in general. We can set, we can just do that much better because the people in the industry, and I know they want to do better. They want to be the best. But this is the opportunity to actually set a framework, a burning platform for a better and more prosperous hospitality world. Because that's what I would like to see. Because if we continues as we did, if we just jump in again and work as you say, just those hundred hours a week we have learned nothing and we are not going to become a better industry because it's not how hard you work, but it's the things you're focusing on and do really well. Do thing, one thing really well. So my message to people is use this opportunity to really be, you know, the change you want to see in the industry. That's Michael
0: Tinsager. For more on Michael, go to hospitalitymavericks.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Copel. You've been listening to Full Comp.